It's a Thursday, which means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your host, Roy White. Follow me at RW3 on the Twitter sphere and my man, the namesake of the program, Mr. Tom Ryle, back in the saddle this week and uh, back in many ways for the Blogging the Boys team. Of course, you can follow Tom at Tom Ryle BTB. And the reason I say he's back in many ways is because Tom, this week, in fact, you launched, along with a couple of the other guys here on the Blogging the Boys program, uh, a new podcast that we're going to be getting into here uh, in the coming weeks. Tell the folks about it. Yeah, it's actually a, a YouTube live stream, so it's got video. Uh, and RJ Ochoa and Dave Sturgio, who is from one of our other podcasts called Jersey Boys, um, we just sat and discussed what we thought was coming up in training camp. Uh, you can go to the Blogging the Boys YouTube uh, account. Uh, you can subscribe or go back and take a look at the, uh, the, live, the, the recording of the live stream and see what you think of it. I, I will apologize in advance because I was having some internet problems the first 15 minutes or so before I really got consistent when I could be, uh, be on it. I kept dropping in and out on them. But we did finish up pretty strong and uh, – I may be going back for some more visits with them uh, in the future. So uh, like I said, check out the uh, blogging, the boys channel uh, over on YouTube and give us a subscription. If you, you are up for it, uh, we will try to be entertaining at all times. Yeah. And that subscription will go a long way for you as we move into the regular season, because not only do we have several live streams planned throughout training camp, but we will have a guaranteed post Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks live stream after every single episode. So the first episode comes up August 10th. Make sure you hit that subscribe button before then, because right after the program, Blogging the Boys is going to be going live on the YouTube live stream to give you the content that you're looking for, right? Give you a whole breakdown and tell you exactly what we saw in that Hard Knocks episode. That gives us yep. a little insight into what the Cowboys plans might be into the 2021 season. But we got a little more of that insight, actually, Tom, as yesterday it was the Cowboys state of the team address. And Jerry Jones up there, along with Stephen Jones and Mike McCarthy, spending about an hour or so with the media answering questions, everything from what Dak Prescott's status is to the likelihood of Randy Gregory and his involvement in the, in, in the defense. And, of course, one of the big questions that's been going around here this week, Tom, what are the vaccination numbers like for the yeah. Dallas Cowboys and how might that affect their chances here in the 2021 season? So um, first, I think we can start with Jerry, ever optimistic, ever excitable Jerry. In fact, there was a part at the very end of, and I, I'm sorry to start at the end of the State of the Union address, but um, to me, it, stuck, it struck me so hard man yeah. it hit me like a ton of bricks and that was when jerry said and i'm paraphrasing because i can never say it quite as well as he does but it's better to be naive life is better when you're naive as opposed to being skeptical all the time and yeah that was that that jumped out at me just like it did for you it was a a little bit of insight a little more bearing of the soul than you normally saw between that and the story about Barry Switzer that he followed it up with included a few F-bombs dropped in there. Oh, oh uh, anytime yeah, he, you get an F-bomb, that's a big one too. How could I miss that? 
Yeah, and he, uh, you know, it was, you saw a little bit of, of how Jerry works and how deeply invested in this team he is. You may not like some of his decisions. You might not like some of his style, but the man believes in what he's doing. He sincerely wants this team to succeed. Uh, we'll do almost anything except maybe, you know, Step hire aside. a real GM. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and <laughs> that's that's the part Steve. I love too. I would do anything. You have no idea how big of a check I would write. Well, no, we do. We all know you would spend the money. We just know you wouldn't do any, anything to yeah, achieve the highest let, goal. Wouldn't tell Steven to step back to, you know, and let's bring in a professional for this, but yeah. Um, the rest of it was really just touching. And uh, he, you know, he even came out and admitted about the situation with Jimmy Johnson that he had blown it, to paraphrase, and he didn't know how he'd blown it. He just knew that he took responsibility for that, and that was okay. Did you really read that revealing. as him taking? Did you read that as him taking responsibility? Because the way I heard that was, man, I've looked under every nook and cranny. And I can't figure out how the hell that situation got screwed up when the answer is, Jerry, the situation got screwed up when you got drunk in a bar one night and mouthed off to, you know, a bystander who happened to be a media personality saying that just about anybody could have won a Super Bowl with the team that you had assembled. Like, yeah, we all know why it what what begat the spat. Am I wrong? Yeah, uh, now I maybe I did mishear it, but he did say, "Yeah, I messed it up." He did okay. admit it, which, which may have been an allusion to that. But he, uh, I think he feels like he didn't do a, a good job at all of recovering from the situation. So uh, it was, it was an interesting bit of openness. But you know, when you go back to the start of it, um, you know, Jerry was still Jerry the salesman. Because he was really, uh, you know, pushing the idea of keeping full attendance this year. Uh, very proud of the fact that of uh, all the people that attended NFL games, 22 to 24% of them were at a Dallas game, uh, home or away, which is largely because AT&T Stadium was going with full attendance, you know. And <laughs> that's a monster stadium, and they were packing them in while a lot of other teams still had it. So. Um, he wants to keep that. He, he tied that into being backs at Oxnard or Oxnard, as he said, um, you know, he, he wants to get the people involved and he was obviously talking to the bottom line about getting fan engagement and getting people into the, uh, the stadiums. And he hopes it's going to go well, which all is still a little bit in question because they immediately got into talking about the whole immunization thing. Um, and one of the two go hand in hand, don't they? I mean, their ability to make money and their ability to sell out the stadium kind of also is tied into the messaging surrounding the fact that it may not be entirely safe to have that many people in a building at one time. Am I wrong? yeah, now I will say that being inside AT&T Stadium is not like being in an intimate restaurant. restaurant. No. They have they have they have a really good air handling system. And people have said that it's about the same level of risk as you have sitting outside having a picnic in a park with other people around you. 
Uh, I don't know if that's scientifically accurate, but that is a comparison I've heard made. And uh, Jerry in the past has stressed that they have that ability to keep the airflow going, which keeps the virus from actually being able to get into it to another person in enough concentration because people don't realize that just because you inhale a few viruses, it doesn't mean you're going to catch it. You have to hit a certain what they call viral load. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm getting all wonky about it here, but yeah, I think there's a good chance that they may be able to do it. I think the open air stadiums can probably uh, function well. And I'm assuming a lot of the other indoor stadiums have the same thing, but Jerry also specifically got into the whole 85% threshold for the, uh, the vaccination of the team, which the Cowboys are not at. He insisted that they were down to five guys that are not looking to be fully vaccinated here, maybe as soon as the Hall of Fame game. And Stephen was a little less emphatic, but he said that by the start of the season, they would def- he felt he would, would certainly be over the 85% threshold. Yeah, so the specifics on that, Jerry, basically he, he, he specified that there were about five guys that were unsure as to whether or not they would even get into the process. Up to this point, um, he felt confident that most of the players had either been vaccinated or were in the process of doing so. And that means, you yeah. know, if they're getting two shots, they maybe had one, but you've got to wait a month before you can get the second one. And so that may be the circumstances yeah. that we're referring and he, to. He indicated some other guys are still going to get the first shot. They just haven't gotten there yet for whatever reasons. Uh, so, yeah. Um, they well, the other suggestion that put me, you know, at a little bit more of ease was that he said – that they would be able to play anybody that they wanted to play in the Hall of Fame game, which, you know, being that it is the Hall of Fame game, I don't know how much that means we're talking about actual starters. So there yeah. could be some issues where starters are still held, yeah. holding out on this front. Um, by the way, as, yeah. a, as a side note, he was asked for his opinion about Michael Irvin's comments. And yeah. Michael Irvin essentially, again, paraphrasing here, but essentially saying that if – you are not getting vaccinated, then if I were in the locker room with you, I would question whether or not you were willing to do whatever it takes to win an NFL championship. Jerry Hemden hawed on that and praised Michael as he does expertly. So, right. Jerry, Jerry takes a question like that and he absorbs it like a, like a power ball. And then he reshapes the power ball and, fires it back to the media in a way that I think the media finds themselves confused as to what you could even follow up with after (laughs) he's taken your question and made it his own over a four to five minute, you know, answer period. Yeah. I I refer to that as his talent for obfuscation, which he uh, can share with Stephen Jones because Stephen trotted out a little of that later on during the press conference too. But I was really struck by Mike McCarthy's response to his personal vaccination status because, um, you know, he came out and said he was initially hesitant and didn't get it at first, but he sat and listened to medical people and looked at the, uh, you know, the reliable science, not the, the you know, the junk the that's Facebook floating around science. out there. Yeah. And then he went and he got vaccinated. And that's a great example to set for the players to say, it's okay to have your doubts, but it's still okay to go get the vaccine because that's the wise thing to do. 
So yeah, I was I was struck by how Mike McCarthy kind of revealed that and was very open about it, and it seemed to be about as honest a comment as as uh, he made during the whole thing. There were a couple other times felt there did a, a little honesty actually snuck out a few times during the uh, the press conference because these things are not intended to make us that much smarter. They are intended to pump up the team and pump up the excitement, and that's really what the, what's going on with it. Well, and we did get a little bit of that. Uh, What's going to lead to that, as we alluded to earlier in the pod, is Hard Knocks beginning their filming. And they have already begun filming for their first episode that's going to debut on August 10th. Again, check the live stream at Blogging the Boys YouTube page. We'll have that for you. Instant reaction on that HBO Hard Knocks episode day one. But Mike McCarthy had a great line. When he said that uh, when he got the call from Jerry Jones that he about wrecked his truck, that they were going to be on hard knocks. And after, uh, after a short conversation, which I assume went something like, uh, yeah, bud, we're going to make a lot of money from this. So uh, you're just going to keep your mouth <laughs> shut and you're going to do what you do as a head coach and you let us deal with the business side of things. All right there, partner. Uh, Mike McCarthy probably took that and said, you know what? Okay, I can get my – truck back on the road and I can get driving down again and I'm all in about it right I'm all in for it yeah um, okay to which oh uh, yeah that was not one of the most honest moments I yeah <laughs> not at all no there's no way he was being honest about it and there was a great question asked uh, of him from the media as to what his response would be if his perception came off as a little bit negative considering the head coaches that have been on there recently and the type of flack that they've taken um, for how they've been portrayed on the show. Uh, I thought that was very interesting and very funny. And Mike McCarthy self-deprecating enough. Hey, you know, he, he let us inside the barn when he wasn't even coaching, right? He did a whole portfolio about how much work he was doing to study the new NFL while he was sitting in a barn in Wisconsin, you know, out in the snow. So I can't imagine he'd be all that upset with a couple of cameras up in the corner that are watching him going through his coaching meetings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did notice there were a lot of comments about the fact that he looked like cool hand Mike with his shades on and his beard. (laughs) Yeah. The shades, the shades from Jamie Foxx that. Yeah. I saw that. Jerry Jones was happily willing to give a plug on. And yet when Jade Slater of the NFL network asked Jerry why he wasn't sporting Jalen Smith's brand, the clear eye view brand of sunglasses, Jerry looked like a deer in headlights. And when (laughs) Slater said, and you can check her out at Jane Slater uh, NFL or at Slater NFL, very uh, good friend of mine. And, and uh, she posted the video of her asking him about, Jalen's clear eye view and Jerry I don't think he knew immediately what she was referring to Uh, so Jamie Foxx sunglasses on a little bit different tier than Jalen Smith's sunglasses according to Jerry Jones in my estimation the the good news we got Tom uh, Dak Prescott going to be a full go from day one that's fantastic news every Cowboys fan I think out there listening to this or listening to the State of the Union, State of the Cowboys press conference was excited to hear that. Um, one question I did not hear anybody ask about, and correct me if I'm wrong, did we not get an update on Amari Cooper and whether or not he's going to be a full go to start training camp? 
Nobody asked that one. A full hour of a pro, of a press conference, and no one asked about the wide receiver that has been out since he had a touch-up ankle surgery back in February. Yeah, you know, now that's something we would ask, but we're just lowly bloggers working from our uh, late mom's non-existent basement. In my case, Golly. so you know, yeah, it's the media guys. Unfortunately, are a little too much on board with playing Jerry's game, I think. Um, well, they got to get an invite that. to the Jerry party. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, like if you've ever been to a Jerry party, I sort of don't blame him. Um, <laughs> the party that he throws for the media there in California, I've been fortunate enough to have attended that a couple of times in my life. And uh, I could see a media member shirking back just a little bit on their hardball questions at the beginning of training camp to make sure that they have an opportunity to be invited to that party uh, where, when it gets to its conclusion later in the year. Um, There was also some joking back and forth about the shape of Ezekiel Elliott. Mike McCarthy uh, had a funny comment about, you know, the social media picture that had cropped up regarding Joe Looney that Ezekiel Elliott retweeted and said, Hey man, I'm in the best shape of my life and tweeted kind of a side-by-side photo of Joe Looney messing around a couple of years ago, wearing Zeke's 21 Jersey. And then Zeke now, which I got to give it to him. I mean, he looks like he's in some of the best shape in his career. And I'm not saying that I've ever been one who's looked at Zeke Elliott and been like, this guy's out of shape. He's fat or, yeah, but the year when he came back from training on his own in Mexico, it looked like it took some time to get him back into football shape. And yeah. Did, did you see the, the thing on Twitter? Somebody was talking about the fact that when he has a full preseason, he has a good year when there's a holdout or he's fighting a suspension or things like that, or like he didn't have an off season at all last year, he doesn't have a good year. And so now he's had a full one and, uh, McCarthy, I believe it was, had a lot of praise for how he said two weeks after the end of the season, Zeke was in the building doing his own workouts, getting himself into shape because as has been mentioned, he was coming off of his own COVID infection and never did really get into shape until maybe late in the season. And so he was doing everything he could to get there. And he, uh, McCarthy also mentioned how that Zeke is going to the quarterback and offensive line meetings. Because he wants to understand everything about the offense, which is what I assume he's doing there. And so um, he seems to be absolutely committed this year, and a committed Zeke could be a dangerous Zeke. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No question about it. And also from a leadership standpoint, I think that speaks to, you know, the, the clear leader of the team and of the offense is Dak Prescott. Like he's taken those reins. He is in 100% control and everybody will follow his lead. But I think with some of the leadership vacuum that has been left behind by veterans, you know, heading out and, and really, uh, you know, guys getting older, I don't know if, Tyron Smith was ever like a vocal leader on the offense as yeah. much as he had the the pedigree to be able to say something and say anything that he wanted to. I feel Zach Martin is a, a leader of the offensive line, but again, that's almost like a different unit entirely, right? They speak their own language. Ezekiel Elliott, to me, has taken up that secondary leadership role where if I had yeah. to name the leaders on this team, I would probably go in order Dak – Demarcus, Zeke. Yeah, and uh, McCarthy even spoke some about growing leadership organically. That was a term he used that struck me. Uh, he says it doesn't happen in meeting rooms and stuff. It happens on the field. That's where leadership starts to exert itself. And he said, you know, just because somebody wasn't a great leader last year doesn't mean they're going to emerge as a good leader this year. And he said that can even happen with rookies. You'll sometimes see someone, I think he was kind of thinking about Micah Parsons without actually bringing his name up, uh, that he could get out there and start exerting some leadership on the defense. Since, you know, he's expected to have a good shot at starting at the mic, then, you know, that's a good thing to have because he's going to be the signal caller. And uh, that's, you know, if he can grow into that, uh, that would be all for the good. McCarthy just seems to think that that's part of what training camp is about. Uh, and he talked a, a good bit. One of the things I felt that was kind of meaty for McCarthy was when he got into talking about what they're really doing in training camp. And he made it, you know, specified that first off, he expects it to be a little different this year that in the past they'd come in and kind of done a refresh on the install. And he talked like he wants to curtail that this year and get more into situational football. He's especially focused on the, like the last half of the fourth quarter when game close games can be won and lost. And he wants to work on two minute drills and four minute drills and that kind of stuff. Uh, that was, that was to me important. And he brought up just, you know, a simple fact of life that people tend to forget that the, one of the big missions in training camp is to figure out who your 53 are. You know, you've got probably 45 of them that you can kind of rattle off the top of your head. But those last guys, you know, that can be important decisions as to who to keep and who to let go. And they've got some uh, interesting camp battles coming up that uh, 
you know, I think we might have mentioned that a little bit on the uh, the live stream about, you know, people like uh, Bradley and I and uh, Dorrance Armstrong maybe butting heads with each other and some other guys like that that are kind of on the bubble, even though they're veterans and you normally think they'd have a really good shot at making the team. So it's, uh, you know, that's going to be a lot of it, trying to figure out how to mix and match because they've got, you know, they got 11 draft picks to try to figure out if they can find a place for them to fit on the team. And uh, it's, I think, you know, I don't know. I think it's going to be at least nine of them will be on the roster. And I'm hard pressed to pick the guy that's not going to make it. You know, maybe the last pick, Farniuk, uh, you know, but he may be their best bet at a backup center. Uh, there was a post up uh, going up on the side about the fact the Cowboys don't have any depth at center right now. They're putting all their money on Tyler Biotish, and they're going to need to have somebody. That's why I'm <laughs> just, you know, not saying it's going to happen, but I'm keeping an eye on that vacancy they've got on the 90-man roster. And interestingly enough, they – Mention Joe Looney, like maybe he's on their mind because, boy, he would be great to have for depth. Uh, now, that would bump some people off the roster, but Looney's a good player. I just don't know if the Cowboys can't afford him because there's a lot of other teams that are going to be hurting for offensive linemen. Well, make sure you check out the article that Tom actually wrote from a couple weeks back regarding the chances him and I gave to the draft picks of the Dallas Cowboys and their chances of actually making the roster. He did a great write-up on all the guys from Bohana to Farniok to, uh, to, to Semi Fahoko. Um, Hoko. Yeah, thank you. Uh, to all those guys who, who have a chance of, of scratching this Cowboys roster out. But speaking of draft picks, I thought Steven gave us some insight into what their first-round plans actually were. Did you pick up on this as well? when he said that there were cornerbacks, plural, that they believed were worthy of that first-round selection that they had, but by the time the picks got to them, they were no longer available. And, of course, you know, for those that remember, there were two cornerbacks taken right before the Dallas Cowboys, of course, Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn, both of whom I think Steven admitted there would have been taken by the Cowboys were they available at 11. Did you read that same? Yeah, I, I, I didn't catch that real closely because I was trying to jot down all kinds of notes. Uh, you know, I filled three pages on a notepad with, uh, with stuff. But, yeah, I did catch him talking about the fact that they – they had people they had their eye on, but felt that by the time they got down to uh, the Cowboys pick that uh, Parsons was their best option then. Mm-hmm. They were no longer, avail- no longer available. Um, one other note, you know, in the NFL-wise that uh, I think is worthy of discussing now that we're talking about Parsons and potentially Leighton Van Direction, Jalen Smith, uh, a player by the name of Frank Warner, the linebacker, uh, with the San Francisco yeah. 49ers just signed a five-year 95 and a half million dollar deal with over 40 million guaranteed so a 19 million dollar per year linebacker that's not saying Frank Warner isn't potentially worth it because his skill set between his ability to rush the passer uh, he had four sacks last season and his ability in coverage 
22 pass breakups a season ago, was phenomenal in that role. That is the type of role that I could see paying a linebacker that type of money. But I won't do it if you're not an excellent cover linebacker, right? There's yeah. no there's no world in which $19 million is a reasonable amount to pay to a linebacker that cannot cover and basically wipe out the inside slot receiver. Um, yeah. Do Jalen you, Smith and Leighton Vander Esch have any chance of getting paid out like that this season? No. Not, well, not Jalen because he's still under contract for a while. Yeah, hell no with Jalen. I mean, yeah, it's a question yeah. of whether or not he'll be worth the money that we're paying him now by the end yeah, of the but, season. But Leighton Vander I, what this could do is push his price tag up if he is at least a reasonable facsimile uh, of a good coverage linebacker. Uh, you know, if, say, he gets a pick and breaks up a few passes and maybe gets a couple sacks, then he could really price himself right out of Dallas, uh, you know, because there's always somebody out there who's going to overpay for someone. Uh, it seems like, and uh, you know, it, it all depends on him having a good year. Of course, he has a mediocre worse year than well, I, yeah. that, that all. Assuming he's successful, assuming Dan Quinn can put him in a position to succeed, so to speak. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting side note to keep an eye on, uh, to watch his progress and see how he's doing, and if he stays on the field, you know. And of course, you know, with him, there's also the question of can he stay healthy for a season. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen that from Leighton Van Der Esch. And, boy, I mean, this would be the right year to do it if ever there was one for him. Um, expectations for Dan Quinn. Mike McCarthy spoke about that a little bit and just kind of – I think, you know, he did a nice job of covering. I don't Covering maybe isn't the right word, but just giving Mike Nolan a little bit softer of a landing pad for how I think the media yeah. lambasted him a season ago. And, uh, and really kind of made him the scapegoat of the defense. McCarthy saying, you know, it's just really taking a little bit of a different approach, the approach of what today's NFL requires. I don't – you know, he didn't go so far as to say Mike Nolan was outdated, right, was, was past his prime. But he did somewhat allude to the idea that Dan Quinn is going to be bringing some new ideas to the defense yeah. and that that is what they're looking for to be able to take a step forward with that unit in 2021. Yeah. And he spoke about something specifically uh, on addressing the offensive line or the de defensive line. He said that they had brought in size and length on the defensive line so that they matched up better with the Cowboys' offensive line. It gave them a better balance. And he specifically talked about that back when he first entered coaching and the Cowboys were in their early 90s dynasty. He said when, when their lines ran on the field, the field tilted. you know. And he says they're trying to get back to that where they're big and strong as well as having some athleticism and some speed. Uh, which I think is, to me, that's music to my ears uh, with all the problems they had with run defense. That could be a, a, a big step in fixing that. So hopefully we're going to uh, see some of that pay off real quickly. And then uh, the other thing that stuck out to me, Tom, is, you know, almost every single season the media plays this game to, to pull a prediction out of Jerry, right? To pull – 
a Jerry Jones, a Jerryism where he says we're going to the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl or bust. The expectation is that we win a Super Bowl. Yada yada yada. Right. And Jerry didn't go so far as to predict Super Bowls, but he did make a little bit of a comparison. Not not too much because I he went out of his way to almost say we don't have a Michael Irvin on this team. We don't have yeah. a lot of the players. A Charles that Haley there on that '90s team. But at the same time, is it fair to say that? the nucleus of what the Cowboys have. And I think what, what is oftentimes dismissed with that 90s team is how deep they were. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. they like at, at so many positions, they were extremely yeah. talented. It wasn't a top-heavy unit. They were great all over the field. Cornerback, defensive line, linebacker, safety, offensive line, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, all names that today would stick out to you and you would say, okay, that was a potential near Hall of Fame career or Hall of Fame career. Is it fair to compare this unit and some of the names on this team and some of the production that we might see, particularly from the offensive side of the ball, is it fair to make that comparison? It's not fair to make the comparison, but I don't have any problem with expressing the hope that it could be there. I mean, he didn't come out and say it, but he kind of skirted around the fact that maybe Randy Gregory could be a version of Charles Haley, you know, a guy who came in with troubles and the team gave him a chance because Jerry went on at length about how they never gave up on Gregory and how much he's done overcoming his personal issues and everything. And then right at the end of that, he says, I don't know if we've got that leader out there, you know, like that, but maybe it's the quarterback, you know, which was an interesting endorsement of Dak Prescott because, and I think that's much of a surprise to anyone in the fact that everyone has just raved about how Dak Prescott has remained a leader. Even when he was out with his injury, he was leading that team from the locker room. I don't know. Like, and I, I know Troy, I know Roger were extremely valuable for not just what they brought on the field, but they were the leaders of their offense. I never, you know, and the leaders of the team in general, right? Yeah. I never really felt that way about Tony Romo. While I felt he was a leader of the offense – Mm-hmm. I never felt like he spoke – in fact, he didn't really even speak for everyone on the offense because there were yeah. those times when Terrell Owens, you know, had, had his differences of opinion with the quarterback. Like, Dak Prescott is on that Troy A. And it's unfair again to say it, but he is on that Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach type of leadership level that I don't think yeah. – you know, I think that was missing from Tony Romo a little bit. Yeah, like, and he's got the he's got that character that Roger Staubach had. Yes, that you just you just didn't question his character even when he was stuffing you in a locker. So uh, <laughs> you know, uh, for those yeah yeah, look it up, folks. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think they're putting you know they're pinning basically their hopes on Dak Prescott, which is kind of the reality of the NFL. The difference is that I think Dak is showing he's got the shoulders to carry that. You know, all he has to do is stay healthy, and I think this team could do some pretty remarkable things this year. 
uh, you know, I, I saw a, a one loss project, projection for the league and they had uh, Dallas as uh, 10 and seven and winning the NFC East. Uh, USA Today boy, put that out. Uh, the second yeah. place team, Washington at eight and nine. And I think they had the Giants at eight and nine too. Did they really? With, yeah, which uh, you know they were basically battling the uh, battling for mediocrity in the NFC East. So uh, you know, I think uh, if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, uh, I think it's a big problem because if the the NFC East still looks pretty wide open. Now you know we're just guessing uh, at what we think we know. But uh, I really think that this is a year where they kind of have to make the playoffs or there are a lot of questions that have to be asked and some possible changes that might have to be made. Well, this is not the time to take the pessimistic approach, Tom. This is not the time to explore worst-case scenarios for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the time to talk about best-case scenarios, right, to ride that optimism, to be naive, right, not be skeptical, not be negative all the time, okay? This is the time to enjoy what the Dallas Cowboys are giving us. And right now, you know, going into a training camp where what feels like for the first time ever, outside of the cloud that hangs over Amari Cooper's head, which, again, I am, uh, like, I'm I'm gobsmacked that no one asked about Amari Cooper. Like, there's 40 of you media people out there. Someone ask about the guy who has the one injury that could cause a serious problem for this thing. But outside of that, no real major injuries to be concerned about, Tom. The offensive line is finally healthy, heading into a training camp for the first time in God knows how long. So I'm feeling optimistic, and I think Cowboys fans have a reason to feel optimistic as well. So overall, grade the press conference. I give it a, you know, B, B minus. It's, you know, it was the standard Cowboys bob and weave, as I like to put it, you know, like uh, Stephen Jones did when they asked him about bringing in more people since they've got an empty spot on the uh, roster, and he just danced all around it and didn't give any kind of an answer at all. Just the the standard 365 days a year. (laughs) It's just 300-day game. We're on day. We're a day like 90 of the 300-day journey. Yeah, he just needs needs to have that print on a little sign he can hold up like Wiley Coyote. Well, man, uh, the Cowboys did do a great job of bobbing and weaving. I'm going to give it an A minus because we got two Greg Jerry stories, right? We got the uh, we got the Barry Switzer, we got the we got the f bomb dropping there, and then again the the line that I started all with, and I know it came at the end of the press conference, but that whole thing about it's better to be naive, like I'm trying to live that in my own life. Yeah, I'm trying to live that. It's hard. Because it is. It's it's sometimes hard to just bury your hand head in the sand and be naive. But you know what? It's a lot cooler when your head's buried in the sand. And, and or, like from a temperature wise, it feels good. I think I think of it as just turning your back on that stuff and looking at the bright things. You know. Yeah. Well, we should all do a little bit more of that, Tom. And I think that's a, a good place to end it. For those of you that are listening, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. We're going to be here with you all training camp. Remember to go to the YouTube page with Blogging the Boys and subscribe because we're going to have those live streams for you after every Hard Knocks episode and continued throughout training camp. I would imagine that we'll probably have some of those post 
Cowboy game as well. Live streams going uh, when we get the play, uh, the preseason games going. And hey, just two weeks away from the NFL kicking off, Tom, we got a Hall hey, of Fame no. game just two weeks away. For the Dallas Cowboys, football season has started. Yes, sir. And we will have you covered here at Blogging the Boys all season long, all training camp. Get all your information right here. That's the only place you need to be. This will be the place that all the other media outlets are going to to get their most up-to-date information. I promise you that because having been in it, that's where we went on a majority of the time. That's where we went is blogging the boys. So for my man, Tom Ryle, follow him at Tom Ryle BTB on social media, on the Twitter sphere. I'm Roy White. You can follow me at RW3. This has been Riled Up on the Cowboys, again, powered by our friends at SB Nation. We'll see you next week, guys. And uh, training camp underway. First week reactions coming at you next Thursday. Talk to you then.